Hello, everyone. I'm Deborah Rue, and this is Access Chat. And Antonio Santos, my co-host, is with me. And Neil is um, packing boxes again and moving. So he's decided to be, um, you know, to take uh, his time off to move his family again. So he was unable to join us. And Jennifer, he um, wanted to give his apologies because he was excited to listen to your story. So, um, but you know, things happen. So we want to welcome Jennifer Nicoro with the LBD Foundation to the show. She's joining us. She happens to be in the United Kingdom right now because she's um, studying there. But in what I believe February, 2020, you created a foundation to really help people with disabilities in Africa. And you're from Nigeria, if I'm correct, Jennifer, but you're actually supporting all of Africa to make sure that they can be included. And so we wanted to have you on the show today to talk about your efforts. And and also the reason why I know her is because um, we are very proud to have them as a partner of Billion Strong. And we've talked about Billion Strong before. Um, we're trying to bring together the 1.2 to 1.7 billion people with disabilities to be proud of our lived experience with disabilities. So, Jennifer, let me turn it over to you. Maybe you can talk to us about who you are, why you care about the community of people with disabilities, and then also tell us more about Life Beyond Disabilities Foundation. And I love the name of the foundation, too. Thank you so much, Deborah. Thank you, Antonia. Um, I do appreciate this meeting. Hello, everybody. Um, as Deborah introduced me, my name is Jennifer Nikoru, and I'm the founder of Life Beyond Disability Foundation. It's an initiative aimed at empowering persons living with disability in Africa. Um, I'm a person who is born, or rather, I'm a person who was born with a disability, without a right arm, and I've lived all my life this way. So I understand the hurdles that goes with living with a disability in Africa, especially in Nigeria. After I finished my law school, I decided to advocate for persons living with disability. I started from my home country, Nigeria, and it has extended beyond Nigeria to Africa. Currently, we have persons living with disabilities who are in our foundation being empowered by us from Ghana, Kenya, Sierra Leone, um, and even from Zambia. However, our 10-year plan is to extend beyond four or five countries. But currently, we have persons with disability from these countries and even a bit beyond. Thank you so much, Deborah. Yes, yes. And Jennifer, uh, it's quite an undertaking to do this, not just in Nigeria, much less trying to do it all of Africa. And you also did it during the pandemic. So that, you know, that is uh, really amazing. But why, why, why is this so important beyond your, you know, your own experience growing up in Africa and having a, um, a visible disability? But, you know, one thing that I think a lot of people don't understand is how different the countries in Africa are. I think a lot of us just want to throw everybody together. But one thing that I've learned is what, how much I don't know. But I just, you know, why would you try to do it then? Because that's a really tough time to start. <laughs> that's very true. Well, um, the reason why I started 
personally, I started in 2019 for myself as a person, yeah, as an individual, but I made it global in 2020. And the reason why I made it global was because I just dis- I discovered that a lot of persons need they needed to be reached beyond just um, my community, and I also observed that when I started, there were a lot of persons emailing me and encouraging me that what I'm doing was good, and they wanted me to continue. This encouraged me and gave me passion to continue. And that was why I decided not to look into the challenges that comes with the pandemic and to go all out front, irrespective of the risk involved in COVID, just to reach out to these persons. Also, I discovered that persons with disabilities will not be considered during the COVID in Africa. A lot of them will not even be regarded So I decided to use my position and my little abilities to reach out to them during the pandemic. That was why I decided to do that during the COVID pandemic. So uh, uh, Jennifer, uh, Nigeria is one of the countries uh, with the highest GDP in Africa, you know, far bigger than South Africa that people sometimes uh, might not be aware of that. So in a fast-growing economy in Africa, how, uh, what are the challenges of people with disabilities and what actually needs to be done to make sure that people are not left behind while the economy grows? Okay. Um, persons living with disability in a developing country like Nigeria and probably Africa at large has a lot of challenges. For me, in particular, one of the challenges I face, which is the major challenge, is the culture and the stigmatization that comes with disability, the mental breakdown that comes with being a person with a disability. Africa and even Nigeria has a kind of traditional mentality that believes that persons living with disability are either cursed by the gods or they are of unfavorable family. This alone has a lot of mental degradation for persons living with disability. Beyond that, we also have challenges that goes with um, their welfare, that goes with their um, yes, their well-being, that goes with even economical factor. A lot of persons with disability are not able to are not able to um, be on equal level or playing ground with persons with non-disability when it comes to employment opportunities. I have suffered it in my early days as a young graduate, as a young law graduate, and I was able to come out of it. But not everybody will be able to succeed like I have. And that is why we need to be able to advocate for equality for persons with disability. This equality will enable everybody to be regarded at an equal level with the right support system. Narrowing down to what I do at Life Beyond Disability. Basically, we started by empowering people, especially during the COVID, with food items and other medical items needed to help them survive during the COVID. 
but we progressed after the COVID into helping them by empowering persons with disability, especially those who have formal education with digital skills and leadership skills. That is what we currently do at Life Beyond Disability. We reach out to organizations. Jennifer, uh, uh, in, in terms of context, I, I would like us, you to explain our audience uh, a little bit more about Nigeria and particularly in the area of advocacy. So you created a, a foundation because you found that it's really advocacy is really important. But if, if we go back, we know that there have been United Nations programs taking place in Nigeria and all the African continent. Uh, we know that there have been... Uh, people doing advocacy for people with disabilities. But in your opinion, what uh, what has not worked? Uh, what is working? And what needs to be done even to go to the next level to make sure that people are not really left behind? Or even to, to make sure that people really have a voice in terms of talking about their rights and needs? Okay. Thank you for that question, Antonio. In my opinion, I believe that advocacy will work more if persons with disability are those in the feed. I mean, they are the game changers. For instance, putting persons with disability on, like I have said, on the feed, they should be the one participating in advocacy and not being behind the scene while others are advocating for them. I believe that no one can feel the pains of persons with disability. If you don't, like, I believe rather that no one can feel as much as having the pains that comes with disability in Africa. If you are not attached, be it you have a family member or you have a friend or you have a disability, you may not be able to understand what it means to have a disability if you're not related to someone personally. So that is why I, one of the reasons I feel that advocacy is not really having a stronghold. The, the game players are persons who may not be related to persons with disabilities. Secondly, another reason for, for advocacy not having a stronghold is the fact that implementation policies are not being, are not being um, structured properly. I think for us to have a voice, we should also have strategies to be able to implement them. Africa has challenges with structuring and implementation. If the right persons are in place and implementation policies are also in place, then I believe we will have, um, I believe that we'll have a long-term plan and it would be implemented. Those are the few challenges I see when it comes to advocacy, implementation and the game players. Well said. And, and also, Jennifer, I'm, I know that's one reason why we're creating Billion Strong, because I went, for example, I went to Kenya. And one thing I noticed when I was in Kenya is that I was treated very differently from other people. I went with a group of people and I was the only older white woman. And it showed me how much colonization has, I, it was just such an interesting experience. But I agree with you. I think it's very important that you speak 
for yourself and I don't speak for you. I also think it's important that the voices in Nigeria need to be heard by others that live in Nigeria and Africa as opposed to hearing what we're doing in the States, what we're doing in Portugal or in London, because you understand the cultures better. And I know that one thing I was really um, sad about was how inaccessible Nigeria was. I I mean, uh, Kenya, when I visited. And I remember we were going into a bank and there was a woman in a wheelchair and she had to wait till these two big men came up and picked her in her wheelchair up and brought her in the bank. And I thought, oh, wow, what happens when she wants to leave the bank? And it was just one little thing I happened to see, but I was really surprised at the lack of access. And of course, we have a lot of brands saying, oh, we're going to help Africa. We'll do this. We'll do that. I think once again, as you've already said, it's a mistake if they're not working with the people on the ground, the people that live there and that are doing the work and that understand the cultures. Um, I know you were born, you said, with your right arm missing. And it's just amazing what people think about that. You did something wrong in your past life or your family, or it's just, it's all you, you were the reason. And um, I also like that some of the work that you started with was really talking about the mental health issues associated with this. And I know that Lamondre, whenever he uh, agreed to be the CEO of Billion Strong, he said, I do want society to not underestimate us as, you know, a person living with disabilities. But at the same time, Deborah, he said, we have a huge problem in our industry, in our community, because we underestimate our own selves and each other. And I think that's one thing that you are trying to help others. I mean, because you're a lawyer, I, it's amazing um, watching your work. But I also believe we need leaders that look like you on these stages and and which is why I invited you to access chat and why I also invited you to join us at billion strong, because I have to take, you know, my influence and help others come in, but you're doing that same thing. So I knew it, I threw a lot at you, but I just want to, the audience and Antonio has already asked some questions that, you know, talking about this, but there are major issues, major issues in these African countries. And if we don't, let people like you solve them, Jennifer. Instead, it's always outside people come in and fixing you. Um, I think we're going to continue to not make a lot of progress. So um, I was, you know, what do you think about, you know, those issues? Thank you so much. Um, I believe, as you have said, that we should have representatives of persons living with disabilities in every sector, especially sectors that concerns the implementation of of strategies that will regards with regards to the lives of persons with disabilities yes and as you have also said with response with respect to accessibility same with nigeria we have a lot of accessibility problems both in um public buildings, even in religious organizations, their structures and private buildings. We have a lot and I have faced a lot of accessibility challenges too as a person living with disabilities. Um, One thing I can say is that if we put pen to paper and we'll pick these challenges one after the other, in the nearest future, we can be able to tackle everything in Africa, all the challenges in Africa. But if we keep 
going round circles, we would not be able to tackle these challenges. As you have also talked about how persons are, you, you talked about your time in Kenya, how you were rated highly, and same with persons living with disabilities here in Africa. When they look at us, we are also not rated so well. In fact, some persons don't even want to socialize with us. Oh. Yes, except probably you have come to have a kind of social status or ranking like myself which everybody cannot get to that, to that, that point. So we have a lot of challenges. And as we have just said, we need to put representatives in those um, places where they can be able to advocate for themselves and for their kind. And that is one thing I am trying to do with Life Beyond Disability as a platform. Jennifer, do you find, because we, you know, we mentioned when we first started that right now you're not in Nigeria, you're actually in the UK studying. Do you find that you're treated differently when you go to a place like the UK as opposed to when you go into, um, you know, different countries in Africa? Oh, the Western world is an eye-opener for me. I have seen a lot of privileges in my few months of living here in the UK. I'm not treated any less. And I wish Africa can be able to get that mindset and implement it gradually. I don't feel like a person living with disabilities. In fact, I'm at my best at this point. In my academics, I have accessibility tools in, or in, that is aiding me in my coursework. I don't need to type so long because I have so many, um, so many accessibility tools available to me. Lecturers and everybody are treating me with privilege. And I believe that I am not the only person that needs to get this, this treatment. A lot of us, especially in Africa, need to experience this. The yes, world yes. Isn't, isn't unfair, so we shouldn't treat people unfairly. I agree. So, 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 Jennifer, based on in your experience and the, the fact that you are uh, studying in in UK and we have access to those resources, um, do you feel that those resources that we have available now in UK uh, is something that they would work well for a student in a similar situation as yours in Nigeria, or you feel that well, we need to look at Nigeria from a different angle and we might need to build new tools and new solutions that are more adequate to the Nigerian reality. What are your thoughts on this? I think that these resources available to me in the UK can also be used very well in Nigeria. However, I also believe that beyond using these resources, we need to do a lot of mindset orientation for persons in in Nigeria and even in Africa. Because if resources are available to be used without a proper mindset to encourage people with disabilities, then it cannot be utilized properly. I think environment matters, mindset matters, and this will help everyone to be able to encourage each other 
towards growth and development. That's what I believe. And Jennifer, uh, um, do you think it's important for people of Africa to see leaders with disabilities being successful in Africa um, and other countries as well? Do you think that it's very important for the individuals with disabilities to have you come in and talk about the issues rather than, you know, someone that looks like me come. Not that there's nothing. I mean, I'm a great speaker, but I know you know which direction I'm going in with you because, yeah. Yes. I believe Africa currently lack disability role models. And that's the main reason why we haven't changed our mindsets. Right. If we have leaders with disabilities, who have made tremendous success in their individual sectors. I believe we will be looking at disability from a different framework. And that is one thing that I believe I want to do currently using the LBD Foundation. So, Jennifer, even if you you look at the age um, of people leading companies in, in Nigeria, or even people leading, being in positions in government, I am almost sure that because of aging, people might have disabilities because it's a part of how life develops. How can we encourage people to disclose disability? <laughs> because I think that you know the disclosure is a strong element to to you know to allow people to know that well I've succeeded and um, I have this disability for many years and that hasn't stopped me from having success. How can we break that culture barrier? That is not just something that happens in Nigeria, it's something that happens everywhere around the world. Yes, that's a very good question, Antonio. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think around how to answer that question, knowing fully well that in Africa, those with disability hide their disabilities especially when your disability is invisible. It makes it so easy to hide them. And those with physical disabilities are always indoors, like I was for so many years before coming out. Uh, It will take time for people to see disability as normal, as a condition, and not a death sentence, especially in Africa. I hope to see it someday, but I'm not sure I can totally answer your question with regards to disclosure. I believe it's an individual um, responsibility and probably time will tell if the right orientation goes out. um, I'm not going to name names or even the country in Africa, but I, I think it's also sometimes discouraging when Um, there was a leader that I knew that had a visible disability in uh, one of the Western countries in Africa. And, but he didn't really protect the other people. He just, you know, it's like, as soon as he got this position, he, he didn't want to talk about his disability anymore. And so 
I, I, it always makes me sad when people are put in positions of power and then they forget their own lived experiences. And I know this happens, but I think it's, that's why it's so important. And like, once again, it's okay for me, people like me to come in and speak in Africa, but only if Jennifer, you're also at the table, the panel, and we're talking about, well, this is the way we do it. Da, 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 da. And you're like, okay, that's great. But understand that in Africa, these, I mean, people have to understand the cultural issues and it is country by country in Africa. And there's a lot of, I, I know that um, when I was in Nigeria, they told me, I'm sorry, I keep saying, I haven't gone to Nigeria yet, but I want to go. But when I was in Kenya, they told me that um, there was a law still on the books that said that if a woman gave birth to a child that was an albino, that her husband could legally divorce her because that means she cheated on him. Which, by the way, that is not why people are born as albino. It has yeah. has, has nothing to do with me cheating on my husband. So, um, and then of course it was um, encouraged to put the child in the forest, and we all know what that means, you know. So, or even worse, if that didn't, I mean, that's horrible. But uh, witch doctors, voodoo believes that um, people with albino blood have special, um, you know, their blood can be used for black magic. So. These kind of issues when I was in Kenya and I was taught, you know, I'm there, Miss Expert, but I, I I didn't even know what to say because it was just so far from what I had learned. And that mm. I learned so much when I was in Kenya about what I did not know and why, once again, I've always believed you've got to have the people on the ground that live there taking the leadership. But it, I just learned so much from that experience. Hmm. So it, uh, just to validate, once again, validate what you're saying that you've got to be at the table. You've got to be at the table. But mm. um, I, I want to ask, I know that we are probably already over the 30 minutes, but, you know, I love the work that we're doing and we want to support you too. We really appreciate the work you're doing. And um, that's why Access Chat features people all over the world. So we can talk about these issues and how do we help each other? But I know that you did a uh, recently did a class on mental health for people with disabilities, but mm -hmm. I would also wonder, um, what do you wish we, you, you have a huge community in access chat. Of course, you're part of billion strong. We're going to get behind you, but what can we all do to really help you and others make sure that people with disabilities in Africa are not treated the way they're being treated now? I mean, what can we do to help as a society? Okay. Um, mm. I believe this is a very, very important question. <laughs> First thing, I think, from a person living with disabilities standpoints, um, especially those within the middle age, I think one of their challenges would be with respect to creating um, a kind of, rather one of their challenges will be economic factors. Yes, the standard of living, raising their standard of living because persons with disability in Nigeria have little or no support system when it comes to um, finances. Most of the finances they have is either derived from their family members or from friends or where wishers or probably passerby. Most persons living with disability are 
probably soliciting for arms every day on the streets. Young children that ought to be in school would know would they wouldn't go to school. Rather, they will be on the street begging for arms, for daily bread. That is one of the challenges they have. Yes, their their mental well-being is also important, but I also believe that they also need to eat daily, and the government is not providing such support system for them. So wow. it's either they leave or they die, and they choose to leave at their own risk. Wow. Yeah. Another thing we should tackle is their mental well-being because of the way they have been treated over time. So we need to make them understand through campaigns, through advocacy, and even through seminars, bringing them together. They are very willing they are very willing and uh, they and they are quite um they, they they are as i said they are very willing to collaborate with you or any organization who wants to help them so i believe that bringing them together in their different communities and talking to them encouraging them making them understand that they are a human being and disability, as I earlier said, is not a death sentence, will help them boost their self-esteem and give them a passion not just to live, but to impact their society. Oh, yes. Which, which is very important. I agree. And that's why we should support the lbdfoundation.org. We should help them be successful. We, you know, help them be more accessible, physical wise and digital and corporate brands. You want to spend money, spend money with the people on the ground, you know, that are really making the difference. So um, I, I know that we're over. So let me um, thank my clear text for making sure we're captioned and accessible. We are so grateful for them sponsoring us. And Jennifer, thank you for your work and your leadership. I know I owe you some content that you asked me right before my husband died. And I will be sending that to you, but I think we all need to get behind Jennifer and all the work she's doing and the other people that are really trying to make a difference in Africa, because we're not, you know, the world is not going to meet the SDG goals if we're not supporting each other. So Jennifer, thank you so much for your leadership. We really appreciate you. So bye everyone. Thank you.